The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Now your wonderful rector preaches off the top of his head without notes. I won't. <laughs> I'll be using these. But I, I may just give daring enough in my short tenure here uh, to try that too. So today, there's a bit of tension going on in the scripture readings, particularly between the Acts reading and the Gospel of John. But there is also a tension in the church calendar. Today is the seventh Sunday of Easter and the Sunday after the Ascension, Ascension Thursday, four days ago. The two feasts today and Ascension overlap in their readings. So the two days get kind of mixed up in scripture and they also get a little mixed up in the liturgical calendar. So let's just take one step back and make sure we know where we are in, in this year. Easter candle, yes, Paschal candle. Easter is 50 days long. So next week, we'll blow out this candle. But the Greek word for 50th, the ordinal, 50th, the counted one, in Greek is Pentecoste. So of course, Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, is the 50th day. So there's that early pattern. But in the Acts of the Apostles, just a few verses before the section we heard today, that same section starts this way. In the first book, Theophilus, which we all know is the Gospel of Luke, yeah, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to the Apostles by many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
It's that single verse in the Acts of the Apostles appearing to them during 40 days. That is the origin of the Feast of the Ascension of Jesus observed 40 days after Easter Sunday. But what happened in church history is a little strange. They started to sort of scratch their head and they said, well, wait a minute, he left, right? <laughs> all, those, all those artworks, all those paintings of Jesus' feet going up into the clouds, that's all you can see. Well, he's gone, so maybe we should end Easter early. So let's blow out this candle on the 40th day, not the 50th day. Now, those of you who are old enough um, to or have been Episcopalians, Anglicans for a long time, may remember when there were only 40 days in Easter. Uh, that would be the 1928 book that then switched to Ascension Tide. So it broke it up differently. And in the 1960s, this longer and earlier pattern was brought back. Now, one of the things that happened as we got back to our 50 days of Easter is that Ascension kind of gets pushed on the wayside. Um, it almost as if it became a less important day, but it's actually crucially important. Why? Why does it matter? <laughs> so the Ascension, the center of the story from today's reading from Acts, as they, the apostles, were watching, Jesus was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And Ascension has, uh, of course, not in, in this parish, where you all know this, but in other parishes, the Ascension has become a sort of divine bon voyage party, you know, bye. But what is really going on? I think first and foremost, in our theology, remember theology is just a fancy word for how we understand and articulate what we believe. The ascension is tied to Christmas. Christmas, or better, the incarnation. The commemoration of that incredible cosmos-shattering event when God became flesh, incarnate, one of us. Now, Jesus took on us, and he didn't shed it like a snakeskin. So that means that the ascension, what goes up, and sits at the right hand of God the Father, as we say in the Creed, is also us, our humanity. The distance between there and here is actually not so great. One of the other gifts that comes out of this tension between Acts, with Jesus physically ascending out of sight, and these poor confused disciples, is Wait a minute, if Jesus is gone, if we lived in earlier decades and blew out the candle, then how are we connected? The poor disciples are just going, I don't, I don't get this. But Jesus says, just wait. It, it'll all make sense eventually. Just kind of wait. Now, in John's Gospel, which we've read all the way through Easter, Sunday after Sunday, Jesus keeps reassuring us and those disciples and other followers of Christ, Jesus reassures us that he will never leave us. So last week's gospel said, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, 
you also will. And two weeks ago, we heard, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. I am going and preparing a place for you. We will be together. So today's passage from John continues this unity. It's a little bit hard to follow this gospel. It's, you need a, like a whiteboard to kind of map everything out. But continues this unity between Jesus, his followers, and the Father. So the unity today is within God, the whole triune God. God, who is pure communion. That is who we are drawn into. Not just Christ, but the whole of the triune God. And Jesus prays, as he physically leaves, that all of us will be protected and enfolded into God as he prays to the Father so that they may be one as we are one. Now, the ascension does mark a change. The physical Jesus, who walked on the earth, departs. But it is also not a change. And that's where these readings get confusing. That's where this part of the church year gets confusing. Jesus abides with us, dwells in us, as we abide in him. And of course, baptism is the promise of that. And then the Holy Spirit comes to swirl around us and confirm in us the power which God has given so that we can confess before the rulers of this world the mighty acts of God. In other words, it's not one is gone or the other is not gone. It's all of the above. And one last piece, the third of the implications of this great feast of ascension which we continue to observe today. And that is the way, or the ways, that Christ remains present in us and with us. Now, next week we will celebrate that coming of the Holy Spirit and the peace of God which passes all understanding. But it would take a number of generations for Christians to figure this out. There were those apostles, we heard them, about them in Acts, who walked with Jesus, who were touched by Jesus, who ate meals with Jesus. How different it must have been for them that he wasn't physically right there. But the question, of course, for us is how do we today dwell in Christ and he in us? How do we encounter God in direct ways today. Well, I hope we encounter God in prayer, which for many people can be words, but for others it's not words. It's lighting candles. It's walking the labyrinth. It could be um, encountering God in the faces of others, and I think especially encountering God in the faces of those who come to us with need in which we enter into this relationship of trust. That is to encounter God. But we also know, I mean, all of us do this, don't we? We are not always present to each other. Huh? I mean, I've had conversations with people, I know you probably have too, where you're standing right there, they're physically right there, and you're having this conversation, but in, your head is somewhere else. It's like, did I, did I turn off the coffee pot? Did I lock the door? What do I need to do? So we're present physically, but we're 
were actually not present. So the encounter with God, prayer in all of its manifestations, uh, physically, spiritually, emotionally, needs a sort of intentionality about it. God is intentional. We're pretty sure about that side of the equation. How intentional are we? One early sort of bumper sticker version of all this, of how we encounter God now that the ascension is past, comes to us from a 5th century bishop named Leo. And Leo said, here's what I think. I think that all that was of the Redeemer has gone over to the sacraments. All that was of the Redeemer, all that was of Jesus on earth, has now passed into the sacraments. What did Leo mean? What he meant was that physically, spiritually, and emotionally, the sacraments are the center of our lives in God. And it is physical. It's water and oil and touch and bread and wine. It is the community. Now, I think one of the things that um, was very difficult during the pandemic was not being able to gather together as church and not being able to receive communion for many people. But one of the things that we also learned in hindsight was we probably have focused too much on getting communion. As if God was an object and we were the subjects. But remember this whole conversation between Acts and John is about an encounter an encounter between us as subjects and God as a subject. So in the Eucharist, we don't get a thing. We hold in our hands and put inside of our very being the living God. All that was of the Redeemer has passed over into the sacraments. So in just this one instance, we meet Jesus anew. All that was of the Redeemer, Jesus on earth, has come over to the sacraments, to our prayer, to our gathering, as the body of Christ. So if we have the ascension on one end of that, there is, there is another bookend over here. When Christ returns, when time ends, there will be no more sacraments. There will be no need, because these are temporary between the ascension and the second coming of Christ. We have been given the gift, the power of the Holy Spirit in baptism. Our dwelling in Christ is strengthened every time we together celebrate the Eucharist. We are drawn back into the path toward God in reconciliation. We are comforted by the Holy Spirit in anointing and prayers. But in all of this, our prayer, our walking the labyrinth, our taking a walk in the woods, our saying prayers, our lighting candles, the sacraments, the very exercise of our ministry as disciples of Christ. In all of this, we meet God. We meet, we encounter God again and again. I'll let St. John Chrysostom have the last word too. Awe-inspiring in truth, 
are the mysteries of the church, the sacraments of the church. Awesome, in truth, her altar. A fountain sprang up out of paradise, sending forth sensible streams. A fountain arises from this table, sending forth spiritual streams. Many are the streams of this fountain, streams which the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, sends forth. And the Son, Jesus the Christ, becomes its custodian. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Oh. Uh-huh.